the time has finally arrived for us to talk about the third space. If you've been tuning into these videos or reading the sermons or had anything to do in connection to where we're at this moment, at the moment, you would have heard me mention the third space, the third place plenty of times. It's that place where it's not our home ground, it's not the church, and it's not a place where people live, but it's the other place where it's kind of neutral spiritual playing field, where nobody comes in with a specific advantage, but everybody comes with an openness to hear. There's, there's kind of a greater trust because everyone's in the same vulnerable space. That's the third space. And, and the things that, that make a third space are meaningful questions. They are places and spaces, relationships we have, connections that we have, where we, ha- we share and interact with meaningful questions. They are places where we risk being vulnerable, where we risk saying, all right, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to trust, I'm going to be vulnerable in this space. And then it's a space that we invite the Holy Spirit into, which is why we're talking about it today, because today is week four of our series in the Holy Spirit. And that's, um, that's what we're, we're wrestling with today. So let me read to you from Acts 17. We're going to spend a little bit of time in Acts 17 from verse 16 today, if you want to pick up your Bibles and grab them or turn them on or however you activate your Bible. Activate, however you engage with the Word of God. And you can do that now. Acts 17, verse 16 says this. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he'd been on a a ministry trip, a church planning trip, he'd been all over the place. And when he was in Athens waiting for his his fellow comrades to get there, um, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So, He reasoned in the synagogue, which was the Jewish place of worship, the temple, with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks. And then, oh, it's very good. It's very good. And then, as well, in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. (laughs) See, Paul was accustomed, like us, to spending a lot of time in the synagogue, in the church, in the temple, in the religious building where religious and theological things were spoken about. That was kind of what Paul's deal was. There's plenty of occasions where he would go to the synagogue in the local thing and start arguing about the merits of Christianity and the validity of Christ with the Jews who were there. But in this particular case, he decides to move into that third space, the marketplace. He goes to the marketplace, and when he's at the marketplace, as he's engaging with the people, something fascinating happens because he finds a neutral playing field, right? In church... People come into church and it's kind of, it's church rules, if you like. You know, the things about God will be talked about. Things that make people uncomfortable or people might not understand will be engaged with. So singing will happen, prayer will happen, those sort of things. It was the same in the synagogue. A little bit different, but similar for, for all intents and purposes. Just like if you go to someone's house and they have a certain way of doing things, right? They have a certain way of, of being and engaging. Um, they have certain values and things that are important. They have certain things that give them security and help them out. Um, and when you go into their home, you honor and respect them. It's not a neutral playing field. You need to be careful how you share and what you share and what you talk about. Just like if someone comes to your house, you probably have more of a freedom to do what you like that you're not too concerned about. But the marketplace was the place where it was level, gra- level playing field, that everybody was there 
was in the same sort of space and that was they had their own values and, and beliefs and how they engaged with each other determined what those relationships looked like. It was very power neutral. Now when we think about the synagogue, just think Alpha, uh, Bible studies, small groups, friendship club, things that are church related and expressions of the church, they're good things. But they require somebody who's coming into that space to shift and change and adapt to that thing. The marketplace is a place where no one needs to shift and adapt. You turn up with how you are and who you are and the beliefs you have and so be it. That's where Paul goes to start preaching. He finds the third place and he goes there to start telling people about what is happening in his life and what his beliefs are with the understanding that others will do exactly that too. That's completely okay, providing he does it out of respect and gentleness and love. Paul made it a priority to go to the marketplace and what does it say? Day by day with those who happened to be there. It was part of his rhythm. He didn't spend all his time in church, all his time in Christian circles, all his time with the disciples, all his time with the church. He, he mixed it up and he made the most. He, he valued the time he spent outside of the church orbit just as important as he did as the one inside. It was essential for him, even to when he became an, an older man. See, age had no bearing on this. Energy had no bearing on this. It was an issue of the heart and his heart took him into these places. So where's your third space? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Have you started thinking about it? Hopefully you've been thinking about it over the last couple of months as I've been encouraging you to do so and been exploring about what that looks like. But what's your third space? I have uh, uh, several. Um, my disaster photo crew who we meet every Saturday morning and a bunch of other times, that's my third space. I love that. We all turn up neutral and anything's up for grabs. Uh, my street. Not like my street, my actual street, the tarmac on my street. I bump into my neighbours and the people that live around and I, and I talk to them and I engage with them. That's, that's a third place for me. The work I do as president of the PNC at the school, that's a third place, a third space for me. When I pick up Hamish at kindy and the, the connections I have with the kindy parents, it's a third space. Just like when I pick up Zari at school and we have the, the connections with the parents and that and through birthday parties, that's a third space. What are your third spaces? Where are they? It's really important to identify them and they, they need to be intentional. For us to live on mission, it can't be accidental. And it can't be that we, we kind of hope, oh, we've done that before. And so, yeah, that was, that's still my third space, even if you're not engaging with it. That's, that's kind of cheating, right? If we're living on mission right now, right now, you have a third space. And if you don't, if you don't have a space where you're connecting with people who don't go to church, you're not living on mission. So, chop, chop. Sorry, I don't... Moving on. I think what's uh, critical about a third place is that it's, it's the space where you love people out of the love God has given you. And by loving them, your intention is that they would know that not only you love them, but God loves them. Yeah? So, so it's that place where you become a conduit for God's love to meet other people through your love for them. It has to come out of love. It can't come out of a duty or obligation or I need to do this because I'm a Christian or some strategic um, way of I need to win them into the kingdom of heaven. That is completely anti, I was going to say anti-Christ, but that will take us on a different thing. It's anti-Jesus. That's not how Jesus worked 
at all. Jesus just loved people with this intense and extravagant and extraordinary love that just brought into their lives the very presence of God. That's what God calls us to. So verse 18 says, A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with Paul. So he's in the marketplace now, and they start to debate with him. Some of them asked, they asked this question, what is this babbler trying to say? Which is kind of like, oh, that guy doesn't make any sense. Oh, what an idiot. What's he trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating for foreign gods, which he was. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus Christ and the resurrection. So Paul wasn't pulling any punches. He was just like, this is it. This is how it's going ahead. Paul starts doing this thing in the marketplace. But the common thread to all of this is that it was, it was a two-way interaction, right? It wasn't a preaching at them. It was a conversation. See, Paul was a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were renowned for asking and wrestling with difficult questions. So if you think to Jesus, when he engaged with the Pharisees, right, he engaged with these Pharisees. And what did they do? Yeah, they were a bit narky. Yeah, they're a bit nasty, but they asked questions. And that's what they did. And so he is debating these questions with these stoic and, let me get that right, Epicurean philosophers about faith. And as he's asking questions, they're starting to ask questions. And you see this engagement. And the more questions that are asked, the deeper into faith people fall. It's brilliant, isn't it? The more questions you ask, the more questions you answer, the deeper into faith you both fall. See, a third place is defined by questions, by really great questions about the meaning of life, about why are we here, about God, about suffering, about illness and sickness, about comfort and discomfort, about belief or not belief, about the eternal life or it not being there at all, about forgiveness and bitterness, about love, about whatever, about family, about caring for others, about offering to pray. All these issues should fall under this banner of questions that we ask questions of people because as we ask questions of people, they will be opened up to start sharing about their lives with us. My neighbour is a drug and alcohol counsellor at a local hospital. And we have, because um, we're in a similar line of work of helping people, and often he'll come home from work on a Friday and he'll be absolutely spent. And when we catch up or when we chat or whatever, he says things like, um, I just need the weekend to recharge. So I ask a question. I say, what does recharge look like? He says, oh, it's, it's probably a bit of meditation, actually. And I say, oh, I'm, I'm kind of into that. I, could, I do a lot of praying. How do, what does your meditation look like? How does that work? What do you think on? Why is it important? And we, we have this conversation about questions that leads us deeper and deeper into Christian faith. Questions create opportunities for God's spirit to move. And questions cause us to move with God's spirit on things rather than saying, I'm staying where I am and I'm, I'm maybe stuck. Recently, I met a guy through some photography I do in Burley. His name's Warren. He's a lovely guy. Um, and he asked me, through the course of this conversation that we had, it was quite a long conversation, he said to me, um, is this your full-time gig, photography? And I said, no, not at all. This is not even a part-time gig. Um, I'm actually a pastor. 
And he went, huh? I said, oh, I'm like a priest. Because people often are, have Catholic heritage, so they get that. And priest and minister, they're the same thing. And he goes, do you mean a vicar? And I went, yeah, that'll do. I do a vicar. Do you know what that is? He goes, I have no idea. I'm so sorry. I go, no, not at all. He goes, well, what is it? I said, do, do you want to know what it is? He's like, well, yeah, I do. And then I started talking to him about you guys and about faith and God and church and, and all of that. Questions create opportunity to go deeper. Questions are essential to the third place. But they're not the be-all and end-all. That's not where, where it all stops. There's more to the story. See, the third space allows for us to have conversations where God's spirit is free then to continue the conversation in another person's life. Yeah? So, so that's, that's what, um, what, what God's spirit allows uh, in people's lives. So the second component is that we need to come at this with a vulnerability. That means risking, it means trusting, it means just lending ourselves into the circumstance. Listen, verse 19. So then they took him, that's Paul, after these conversations, these questions, it was going quite well. So then they took him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? So Paul's preaching in the marketplace. There's a couple of people that have some real interest in this and they start asking him questions and he goes back and forth on this and they really get into it and they're having some conversation. And then they say, we want you to come with us to the Areopagus. Now the Areopagus in Athens was the place where all great issues were discussed. It was sort of an elite club. It wasn't just anyone could come in. There were, there were philosophers and theologians, uh, religious people and leaders of the community that would be in this and they would talk about everything from economics to religion, from employment to um, the big questions, the latest philosophies people had, the, the new trends that were happening to past traditions, to the way um, it could all be ethically handled, you name it. If it was of importance, it was like a TED talk every day of the week, every hour of the day at the Areopagus. And they invite Paul. They say, Paul, come. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. And they ask him the question. A question, right? Starts with a question. May we know what this new teaching is that you are preaching? And what Paul is forced to respond to is how much of myself will I share? How much of myself will I share? And that's the question when it comes to sharing what Jesus has done in our lives, isn't it? How much of myself am I willing to share? How vulnerable will I be? How how much can I trust? How much can I, can I, can I move, this, move this conversation into with someone that's not even a Christian? How much of myself will I share? This is why some of you are terrified of these conversations. It's why you're scared of them. It's why you're, you're not sure what to do or how to do it. You, you, you dread the thought of somebody asking about faith. And if they ever do, you, you sort of shrink back and you give a muffled response to try and end the conversation as quickly as possible. I know how it feels. I've been there and it's there because how much of myself do I really want to share? Because this is important to me and it's right, it's right here. It's very special. And if you tore it down or you took it away or you hurt me because what would that mean? But Jesus says, I've got your back. Those things that you worry about losing, I will give them to you. Do not worry about that. How much of 
of your life will you be willing to share? God says, share it all. Share it all, especially the me part in it. Share it all. Share it all. People that I've known for a long time, um, and I've shared with God about them lots, but they don't go to church and so forth, I frequently hear them say things to me like, um, you're a giver, you always offer yourself to other people. Um, You're you're just really wise for your age, which is good, right? Because what am I, like 25? (laughs) No. Um, They say, there's something different about you. They say, you really care. You really get me. They say, I don't know, I don't know why, but I can trust you. Now, now what's, what they're actually saying is that somehow I found God in you. And, as, and all I need to do is affirm that by saying, yeah, that's the God in me. What? What do you mean the God in me? Oh, we have a meaningful question. We can talk about it. That when people say that about me, it's not about me. It's about the fullness of who Jesus is trying as hard as he can to work his way out through all my mess and brokenness. And people catch glimpses of that and that's what they love. Like, oh, that's what they're hungry for. They're hungry for God. They want Jesus. I don't want them to want me. I want them to want Jesus. And it becomes because I just learn and I try as much as I can to be as vulnerable as I possibly can, to share, to be vulnerable in this space with who I am consistently over a long period of time and people will come to see the God in your life. It's not enough for us just to hope that our lives make an example. They do, but everyone's life makes an example. You, you can't preach without using words. You just can't do it. It's, it's a myth. But the more we share about who God is to us and who God can be to others and how much God loves them and cares for them, the essential shift that makes in our lives, it reorientates our heart. So the first thing that makes a third space, this could get tricky, couldn't it, is meaningful questions. And the second thing that makes a meaningful space is being vulnerable. How much of myself will I share? And the third thing is, all together now, can't hear you. Come on. It's inviting the Holy Spirit into those conversations, right? It's, it's the crux of this whole thing. It's why we're talking about the third space on our journey through the Holy Spirit in this series, because it's, it's essential. It makes all the difference. The Spirit of God, as we learned last week, is not only interested in your life. The Spirit of God loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you with an uncompromising, deep, passionate love. The Holy Spirit loves you and the Holy Spirit is in your life if you've invited the Holy Spirit to be and is residing there and is loving you and is working through you. But there's kind of, I liken it to the fact that God sort of has this storehouse of his presence that he wants to bring to us and he says, I'm I'm limiting a certain portion of it until you ask. Like, I'm not going to have you walking around doing willy-nilly what you like with all my power. I'm actually going to limit my power that I offer you until you ask, until you invite me into those situations. Because the Holy Spirit is in those situations already, speaking with our friends and our family. The Holy Spirit is already there. 
But, but when we pray, when we invite the Holy Spirit into a relationship, into a conversation we're about to have, in a situation we're unsure of, into uncertainty that we're feeling, into sickness, when we invite the Holy Spirit in there, incredible things happen. God's normal takes the place of our normal. If you were listening in last week, and you can, you can just go back and, and listen to, to last week, but not right now, just when we finished. Not long. Acts 13, 9 is really clear that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit and lives this life where he's constantly refilled by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit just lives in him and breathes through him and just radiates out of him. And as the Holy Spirit does this, more and more people are touched and moved and then he asks for more and more of the Spirit's power and the Spirit's power takes place in more and more people's lives. It just keeps going on and on and on. And we see that through his life. They say to him in verse 20, you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears. He's in the Areopagus, he's preaching. They're like, this is weird, man. And we would like to know what they mean. This is weird, man, but there's something else to it. And we want to know what that is. So all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, it's a big one, <laughs> yep, some of them sneered. Your third place will involve a bit of sneering. It's okay. Don't stress about it. Just get over it. it. Involves a bit of sneering. But others said, and this is why Paul does it, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Jesus and followed him. What? Because of the power and the move of the Holy Spirit, at live and at work in those circumstances with those people doing miraculous things. <coughs> the Holy Spirit guides and leads and directs us into those conversations. The Holy Spirit equips us with words and ideas and things to say when we're in them. This whole thing, this third space, this adventure moving into that third space, is, it's, it's about trusting more in the Holy Spirit than it is about trusting in me. And, and the third space is all about how the Holy Spirit reigns, what the Holy Spirit's agenda is, what the Holy Spirit wants to do. It's all about that. It's not actually about you or me. It's all about the person that we're loving and what the Holy Spirit will do in their lives. And so if we were just had a normal Sunday, we've got communion next, I would literally do this. I'd start off by going, go make your third space happen. And that would be it. But that seems a bit rude and abrupt. So what I want to say is during communion, as you're partaking, I want you to bring before God, I want you to say, God, what, what is that third space? What is the third space that you're calling me into? What does it look like? How do I step into that space more? And then commit to it. Do something today that commits to it, whether it's to make an arrangement to catch up with someone, whether it's to sort something out, whether it's to text somebody and connect with them, whether it's to phone somebody or drop an email to somebody who's outside of the church world, any church world, and just to love them and care for them and encourage them and, and start up a, spare, a, a third space where people might come to know and experience the love of God. Now, I should have done this right at the start. I should have put a lot of me. Sorry, it's been a bit dull. My apologies for that. Let me pray for you. We'll move into communion. And then um, and we'll move out to this world. Let's pray. Loving God, 
We just want to thank you for your grace and your kindness, your love toward us. I thank you that it doesn't stop at us, that it flows through us to others. So call us this week into those relationships, into those opportunities to love people extravagantly, to help them, to care for them, to be kind to them, to share with them the riches of your kingdom, to allow your spirit to reign. And God, teach us this week to trust more and more in your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in your almighty name. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen.